Hey, what's up? It's Alex Morgan. And for me, the start of the new year is all about committing to you from day one. Body Armor's got you and here to help you commit to your fitness goals. Buy any Body Armor products at your local store and Body Armor will give you 50% cash back to put towards your fitness journey. Now through March 31st, commit to fit with Body Armor Sports Drink. Visit www.bacommittofit.com for full rules. And shop now at retailers nationwide. Hey there. Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio's Nature Connection Show. Every fourth Tuesday, excuse me, Friday, every fourth Friday, uh, along with our guest co-host, fine art nature photographer, Margot Carrera, we talk about the environment and what we can do, taking positive action to protect mm-hmm. our environment surrounding us, whether it's our home, our business, our community, nationally, globally. That's what we're talking about. And today's special guest is Adam Roberts. Uh, no stranger to the show, except for we get to actually see him today. Uh, he's been on our show for years talking about wildlife conservation, and he's also been on with his new career, which is being the executive director of Bethesda Green. It's not really new. He's been there, what, three years, Adam? Four, three how years. long have you? Four yeah. years? Three how did years. this happen? Three years. Yeah. Well, how did it, it happen? I know. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. I you, as soon as you started with them, you were like, okay, came on a show, and it seems that going through the website, BethesdaGreen.org, everybody, based out of Maryland. Um, things have really flourished. Uh, a lot is going on where you're still doing programs for, uh, I would say, eco-entrepreneurs, people that are out there doing businesses that are good for the planet, but also, which I think is important, that we have business and community and the environment. Everyone's together. Uh, because if you leave the business sector out, you know, it can't be, we, can't we, have, to have, we have to have profit, Right. Um, and so you have that part, but then you have the community and it seems you've really gotten in and doing some projects, whether it's recycling, you know, recycling bins on street corners. So we can, you know, walking with a water bottle like you did, put it in the recycling bin um, to working with condominiums and looking at storm water management. You're doing a lot. So it's, it's really grown. <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> Uh, good, good. It's, it's, I think it's just now starting to feel a little overwhelming in terms of the breadth of work that we have before mm-hmm. us. You know, we have a very small team uh, in Bethesda, Maryland, obviously remote these days. Um, but we, we have this small team that does all of this different kind of work related to our ecosystem. And, and the thought is that if we can do what we do in Bethesda, but replicate it elsewhere, we can have that ripple effect so that the work that we do grows and grows. And um, you know, what, as you said in the introduction, when you're looking at kind of how we deal with environmental education, local environmental projects, and eco-entrepreneurship to try and build environmentally focused businesses, you're handling many different aspects of this very big, important problem, how we fight climate change and protect mm-hmm. the ecosystem in which we thrive. And so if we can do it successfully, I think we have a pretty good model. And, and these past three years have been exciting in terms of the detailed work that we're undertaking and the way I think it's growing. So uh, I'm optimistic that that it's going to go in a good direction and uh, in perpetuity. I want to start. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think you're really right. I just think that people are ready for a change of mindset and they understand that they're going to change habits. 
And that's a two-week process to change a bad habit to a good habit. It's a, a scientists say it's a two-week 21 process. days, Nancy, it's three weeks. It's a 21 days. <laughs> well, some of us are advanced and we can yeah, do it quicker. <laughs> <laughs> so you change a habit from a bad one to a good one. It doesn't hurt you. It helps you. And mm. I think people are ready for that now. Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and also, I think um, dealing with things at the local level is interesting and exciting. And it's so much different, mm -hmm. as you know, than anything I used to do when I used to deal with these global wildlife conservation issues. We mm -hmm. were dealing at a very high level with very big issues that had broad scope. And, uh, right. and what, I, what I've noticed is that you can really make uh, a tangible, measurable difference more immediately, I think, working at the local level. And when you've got a number of different organizations working at the local level and networks working at local levels around the country, uh, you, you can really see the work blossom. So, so that's the other exciting part about it. You know, it would mm -hmm. take so long to get um, something, you know, a bill considered in Congress or an international treaty to deal with an issue we're working on. Whereas now, you know, the county council is a bit more accessible and local mm -hmm. businesses are more accessible. And so that accessibility um, yields results more quickly, I think. Exactly. And you can also go to your, you know, your leaders and, and they're your backdoor neighbor. Like you can say, hello, you see the stormwater issue going on. You know, mm -hmm. you drive by it every single day. You can't keep exactly. ignoring it. Versus it's personal. When you're with, I know you're near DC though. So like yep. the build back better bill. I mean, that, it, I mean, this has been going on for a year now, you know, and it's like, you know, President Biden is, you know, in Pennsylvania, a bridge, you know, collapses right before he goes to speak about it. And we're still battling this. And it took one person to derail it, literally. And mm -hmm. you think about like, okay, if the Build Back Better bill was locally in each community, it probably would have passed by now, honestly, mm -hmm. per community and all these communities benefit. I mean, wouldn't it benefit Bethesda Green if that kind of caliber of a bill happened? But in the meantime, you're doing the work. <laughs> You know? Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, be, because of all of these different relief bills that have been passed, especially in the time of COVID, I think there is a lot of money that's able to flow to local jurisdictions. And, and part of our um, task is navigating how to get access to those funds. Um, you know, I think, for example, the federal government is supposed to be sending Maryland, the state of Maryland, money to go to stormwater projects to try and mitigate stormwater and water pollution. And then we have to figure out how that money gets focused from the state level to Montgomery County specifically where we work and then how we might tap into it to start implementing some projects on the ground. So there is this ability with, with this newfound influx of, of funding uh, to do some of this work and, and hopefully Build Back Better will ultimately get passed because there's a lot of climate provisions there that we can, we can tap into. One yeah. of the things we all watched was um, you worked with a condominium uh, to work on storm management and what 400 native plant or trees are planted. I mean, that, Marco, that. I know you watch this too. We, we're all like, I'm like, you've got to see this, Nancy. Yes. This is so cool. Mm, this is so cool. interesting because it looks like you partnered with other organizations and also the government and county to do this where a lot of times when you think about um, a condo complex, you kind of go, Oh, they do their own thing, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. just leave them alone. So tell us a little bit about this and how you got everyone together and what the project was about. Yeah, so this is something that started a few years back and it was a condominium complex just outside of Bethesda in a neighboring community. Um, and the, the, the short story is that the, 
condominium complex was built on a slope going down, mm. uh, which was fine. But um, but there's a parking lot that also goes down, and this was a you know multicultural, multilingual condo complex with families from all over the world, um, uh, underserved community. And what they started to find was that when it would rain and we would have really bad rains, because the parking lot had been paved over, that stormwater would run down to the bottom of the property and the condo units, the apartments that were down at the bottom would flood. And there were some stories about windows breaking in because of the rush of water and it was just really bad. Um, and that of course also contributes to pollution because the stormwater as it's running off into natural parks, into the Chesapeake ultimately by going through local waterways, carries with it all of the trash and other pollution that it can sweep up as it goes. Uh, so Bethesda Green worked on this project in consultation with financial support from the Chesapeake Bay Trust and others, uh, working with the Montgomery, uh, Department of, Montgomery County Department of Environmental Protection to do a few different things. One was tree planting and rain garden installation. They're trying to get as much natural native plant species there as possible to soak up a lot of that rainwater. And then we also installed all of these rainwater catchment tanks, cisterns on the sides of the buildings so that when the rain would hit the roof of the building, it would go down into the catchment tank rather than running off into the parking lot and down flooding the property. And now we've got some technology that we're installing where a remote sensor can control the release of the water from those cisterns. So you can tell just from sitting at home on your computer, which cisterns are full. And you can think about when we're having drought conditions, when that water needs to be released in order to water all of those plants. And you can just release and then close again those cisterns, letting the water out. So it's this really interesting um, link between need and pollution mm -hmm. and climate and environmental mm -hmm. protection and technology that funds a project like that, puts it all together and has a measurable impact. So uh, we finished the project now, it's it's up and running and, um, and they're on their own. And we're just kind of looking now for other opportunities to do something similar. Because wow. you know that, wow. that's, the other, that's the other interesting thing I think that's really important about the work that we do is that it's all replicable. All the things that we do at Bethesda that's, Green can be done in other communities. And obviously we by sharing it, it will. That's what's so important is that that can transfer to other communities across the country, and we really need to do it, and we need to be the world's example of it. Mm -hmm. We really share? do. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about the outcome of the project? Because I was so impressed of how it affected the, the people living there, their children, not, not only the land and and what was the outcome of that project? Yeah, well, I think the biggest outcome was the community involvement side of things. You know, obviously it's great that there's no more flooding and that's, you know, uh, a significant yeah. outcome that's really important. Um, but getting the community, the people who actually live there to embrace the project, help us with the planting and uh, the ongoing maintenance of the project, the workers at the condominium complex, it really is this community feel, which is something that's very important to Bethesda Green is having this sense of community um, you know, the ecosystem in which we live that we're closely associated to interact with every day needs to be a big part of the work that we're doing. We don't want to come in and just sort of say, here are all the things we're doing and we're going to just impose this on you and then leave. We want to make sure people buy into the projects right. that we're doing. Uh, and that's what happened there. And, and we would have these sort of festival days and 
picnics and people would come out with their kids, as you say, and we'd have art projects, but we'd also talk to them about the work that we're doing and, and enlist them in the, in the rain garden planning and the tree planning so that they have you know, a feeling of a vested interest in the work that we're doing. And then obviously every year now, when those plants come in and they can see the trees growing, uh, it reminds them of the work that we did together and, and hopefully teaches them why it's so important to, to work on environmental sustainability and encourages them to do so and their kids. And, and maybe that makes an impact on them personally, intellectually, emotionally, as much as it does the physical environment in which they live. I love seeing the kids out there, cool. you know, yeah. uh, planting awesome. and then having, I think, putting in the picnic tables and the grills and kind of making it like cool. you can be, you, coexistence. You know, we always talked about mm -hmm. that with you in wildlife conservation yeah. is mm -hmm. how we can coexist, you know, whether it's an elephant or a lion coming in your backyard in, in certain areas, instead of killing them, how mm -hmm. do we coexist? And I think that's the thing right now with climate change is we have to work for mother nature and cause she, she'll take care of everything her way if she wants to. And she does, <laughs> she wants to, you know, so we got to work with her and help her, but and coexist. And I think that's the beauty of what you're doing, going into even that project, you created jobs and a lot of people are fearful of the green jobs. Oh, um, if we're going to have an electric car, it's going to cost us $50,000 that we didn't have to do before. If you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. this switch over into um, green business is a scary thing for a lot of us. Is it going to cost us so much more? Do we have that many? Because we are also going through inflation. It's almost feeling depression-like in some ways with what's going on in the economy. Yet at the same time, through this project, you funded the people doing work, you know? Yeah, and, and that's a big part of what we do is focusing on the business community. Um, you know, Bethesda Green is not just a local environmental nonprofit. You know, we're, we're working with existing businesses to try and encourage them to do right by the environment and their workers and good governance and transparency. So we have a program where we're encouraging businesses to become B Corps certified and just putting that big black B in their window will let everyone in the community know who passed by that they're a, a business that does focus on worker rights and governance and transparency and environmental protection, all of those things that we think are so important. Um, and we work with the county to promote green business certification. Montgomery County has an excellent green business certification program uh, where we have checklists and third-party vendors that do the work to make sure that both for-profit and non-profit businesses uh, are doing right by the environment, wow. things like shutting off the copier at night. You know, nobody needs mm -hmm. to be there. Don't just put it in sleep mode, but make sure it's fully powered off. Things like that make a huge difference. So we can work with existing businesses so they can be part of the solution when it comes to fighting climate change in the environment. But then as, as we talked about earlier, and as we know, you know, we've got this entire entrepreneurship program where we're focused on new businesses, small businesses that are sustainability driven. So when people have ideas about how they can make money and satisfy a market need and do good for the planet, we can put all that together into a successful program and help these businesses grow. So trying to deal with both aspects to the, to the environmental work, the, the sort of nonprofit environmental project side, but also the business growth side, knowing that businesses recognize, I think more and more today, and mm -hmm. definitely now more than ever, that there is something very marketable about doing right by the environment that oh, shows yeah. that they can make a lot of money and get rich and do well and hire more people while being good for the environment and protecting the planet. So 
we're trying to focus on that connection. You don't have to be green protecting and non-profitable. The yeah. A, yeah, protecting the future is a big thing. If for anyone who has relatives, children, grandchildren, I mean, just even adoring the planet as we have it, protecting the future is important. How do you not protect the future? Mm -hmm. yeah, what kind of person, company are you if you don't protect the future? Companies look at the youth as their next wave of, you know, work yeah. in the workforce. Yeah. And so I think also part of this is, you know, you've got, you're talking about even the social responsibility of the mm -hmm. workers. It's if you're going to be taking care of the environment, you got to be taking care of the people mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. That's a really, you know, a, a big connector. I want to go to Marco on this because, you know, you're part of, you're part of this whole thing about, you know, doing mm -hmm. these fourth Friday shows. I'll get it right. Uh, fourth Friday shows. You're, you're very into the program that they have on leadership. Mm. Yes, I, I do have questions because I believe that what you're doing can be done in every community across the globe, you know, and, mm. and the success that you're having in, in that you've shown um, has been um, just eye opening. And I think the more you can share with others how you do it, how you get how you get the community involved, how you get the um, the programs together, and and also the conservation work. You, I just see you like this bright star shining mm -hmm. out and sharing it with with um, here, like here. I'm in San Diego. We could use the knowledge that you have to take help take care of our environment in our community. And uh, so I saw that you had an environment or leaders program. And so I'd like to know a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Um, it's, a, it's a very cool program in that it's one of those situations where I find that I learn as much from the kids as they probably learn from us and they inspire me uh, as much as we hope that we inspire them. Um, and that happens all too often, obviously. But um, but yeah, so the Environmental Leaders Program that Bethesda Green has is a is a high school program for high school seniors in Bethesda area high schools, where um, these kids have a year long science project and they're doing sort of an independent study, a project of their own, and we give them an internship so they can intern with Bethesda Green, get some real world office work experience, helping us out, and then we help either mentor them or find expert mentors to guide them on their projects, helping design their projects, implement the project, cool. create the whole, the whole thing. And then at the end of the year, at the end of the school year, we have, uh, we have a, um, a sort of a ceremony, but a presentation where they can present their projects to us, to the board, to the community, everybody who wants to come, it's open to the public and see all this amazing stuff that these kids are doing. Uh, they get to write blogs that we publish on our website. So they, you know, helps build their resume going into college. So it's a, a really cool program uh, but these kids are amazing, I think, mostly because they're designing their own project. So you have, you know, these kids who say, I want to build bat houses because of the important ecological benefits of having bats in our community, cool. or doing podcasts on a circular economy, or planting pollinator gardens, you know, all of these really cool projects that are meaningful and impactful in terms of the scope and the issues they're dealing with but are all tangible because they're local. We had one student um, the year before last who did a pollinator garden. And even though she's done, she's gone off to college and everything, we're still having our interns 
work on that pollinator garden to keep it uh, up. And so that's a lasting project that she has that's in oh, this We community. have to go see the garden, Nancy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we get to Maryland. Totally. Yeah, totally. Gonna, I know totally. Nancy wants to go and do like a street walk of Bethesda. And yeah. see like the bins and see, we want to go to the Caribbean. But mm. like the pollinator garden, I mean, this, I was on your blog and you guys have so much information on BethesdaGreen.org. I mean, the the blog site has what to do with rainwater. Like you were saying, pollinator garden. I mean, I, I thought it was like it's news. Mm. If you go under the news tab, everyone, and it's just like, it's not just news. It's mm. real information that you guys are putting out that people can utilize on that level. It's like you've thought of every little thing. We're going to get to you somehow, people. <laughs> yeah. like, and I think that's great. But but it, it, but that you've touched on a really important thing, which is the getting to people, right? Mm -hmm. you know, we need to get to people. And so, you know, there are people who will go through the Bethesda community and they'll go to throw uh, an item of recycling away, a, a bottle or whatever that they were drinking out of. And they'll see that that bottle or that um, recycling bin was put there by Bethesda Green and sponsored by Suburban Hospital or Eagle mm -hmm. Bank or Eat the Change, you know, one of the companies or nonprofits that sponsored one of the bins. So back to the business discussion we were having earlier, it's good for these local businesses to let mm -hmm. the community know that they support community conservation and environmental protection, in this case, recycling. Uh, it reminds people that we need street level recycling. You know, a lot of people, for better or yeah. worse, can't be bothered to hold on to that bottle till they get home. So they would throw it in the trash instead of throwing it in the recycling um, bin but we put the recycling bin there or there's a pollinator garden or all these other opportunities. We do tree planting and um, we're working on some rain gardens uh, throughout Bethesda. So we have all these different projects that remind the community, not only that we're there, but that these are important environmental issues that they need to uh, take account of. And I think the only other thing I would say on this is it shows the importance of partnerships, mm -hmm. right? So in, in the recycling bin situation, we have partnerships with the local businesses that sponsor the, the bins. The Rotary Club in Bethesda sponsored oh, one good. of our bins. Rotaries do good. Rotaries do good stuff. Yeah. If people, if people think full circle, um, you know, because we're always worried about money. When things are recycled, they cost you less. They do as good a job. So why not support it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and again, it's, it's the partnerships, I think, that, that, that are so important for us because, you know, not only the corporate partnerships, whether it's, you know, nonprofit rotary sponsoring a bin or a hospital or a bank sponsoring a bin, but that, you know, we partner with Bethesda Urban Partnership, which is a local community organization that actually does the collection from the recycling bins. So we're helping get the bins fun, funded and placed. They're actually placing the bin and then monitoring the bin contents to see cool. when it's time to empty the recycling bins. Mm -hmm. And we've got the Montgomery County Department of Environmental Protection helping us with funding and you know doing good work. So th there's this um, sort of closed loop of all these different organizations that are working together to awesome. make Bethesda as green and sustainable and urban ecosystem as we possibly can make it. Otherwise, you know, I don't think we'd ever be able to do it on our own. So so that partnership concept is really important for us. Awesome. I wanted to touch on some of the stats when you go on your website. Again, everyone, BethesdaGreen.org. Um, right there it goes, tw since 2010, your stats. $26 million in economic impact. 31 companies that have joined the B Corp movement, your, your business, your green business program. 
and 59,261 pounds of recycled material collected. Wow. I mean, that's a lot. That's and huge. a lot of times that, that again is another industry, right? So mm -hmm. we've got to think that's still he helping the business. And I think when businesses involve themselves mm -hmm. like sponsoring a bin or the, the removal of the recycling parts, all of that, it's not just, hey, we care about the environment, but I want to say it's actually about the health of the community. Mm -hmm. It is, is mm -hmm. saying we want a healthy community. And if you want a healthy community, you, you mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to make business be, be successful in business, you better have a community that's healthy and to buy from you, you know, just saying. Is that Nancy froze or am I? Nancy's frozen. Nancy's okay. frozen. Hopefully, oh, look, that's such a good face. What a good hey, face she you made. She looked like a she looked like a little prairie dog. <laughs> okay, I'm saying say it's a again. tax write-off. Oh, it's a tax write-off. Yeah, she got yeah, frozen there. It's a tax write-off. Mm -hmm. And we want so, those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you've got the kids, you've got the community, you've got the business all working mm. together to do this. Um, you know, I know COVID has hit, but you also have offices that you you have you know co-working space that if someone's traveling through instead of building another office you could come in and work is that open now or are you waiting until after covid yeah so so our office is technically closed now but i think we're sort of getting in a direction where we're able to open it up a little bit more um or at least we hope so and and um capital one bank is the building that we operate in in bethesda and they kindly donate our office space which is really nice. thoughtful of them and has for a while obviously means that we have more capacity to do the work that we do, um, not having to invest in in that kind of overhead. So, um, which just comes back to what we were talking about before in terms of partnerships and corporate support, and you know it's something that they can That's do to help cool. us, which in turn helps the environment. So, um, yeah, all of that is really important. But it's very strange, you know, we um, so much of what Bethesda Green did was focused on community organizing and community connections. And so when COVID hit, we weren't able to open up and have all of these meetings and um, events at our office. Um, I wondered how that would impact our work, but with Zoom the way it is and other platforms for this kind mm -hmm. of networking, you know, we've been able to adapt rather nimbly and surprisingly, mm -hmm. I should say. Um, and, and it's really been fine for the past two years. So, you know, I think we've just changed the way we work. Um, you know, mm -hmm. the program director who works with the environmental leaders just has all of her meetings virtual. And when the weather's nice and we're able to do things in the community, we do. Um, one of the events we had in the spring, for example, in summer was a weeding project where literally we had a team of volunteers that went through Bethesda pulling weeds from the sidewalks by hand mm -hmm. to avoid anyone from coming through with pesticides and sprays. Uh, so it was a way that we could do something to beautify the community, but in an environmentally friendly way. And we have our entrepreneur pitches, like the kind of shark tank pitch that our businesses do. Um, we just have it online instead. It still allows for networking and Q&A. So, you know, eventually it'll be nice to have the office open again and have that personal connection. But I think for now, we're, we're pretty good at working remotely. And, and it also, to be perfectly honest, saves the environment a little bit of stress by not having us coming to the office and having those transportation costs and impacts um, we're able to do more to protect the climate by staying at home. So it's, mm. it's actually been a bit beneficial in that respect. I agree. Mm. Margo, what was it like in San Diego at the beginning? Well, didn't you move back during COVID? I can't remember because... Yeah, we moved out uh, just before COVID, luckily. And uh, mm. 
it was the first year, it was amazing because there's so much traffic here in San Diego mm -hmm. and, and there were, the streets were quiet and animals actually were coming out from the, the woods and the environment. Um, one night, one goal, stop suicide. On June 3rd, Washington, D.C. will host the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention's Out of the Darkness Overnight Walk. For the last 20 years, people have described the overnight as one of the most powerful experiences of their lives. Now is the perfect time for you to join us as people from all over the country come together to send a message of love and hope. Walk over 16 miles from dusk till dawn to raise funds and awareness for suicide prevention. See the landmarks of Washington, D.C. by moonlight. Form lasting friendships, experience healing, and bring hope to those affected by suicide. Join us. Be a part of something extraordinary. June 3rd in Washington, D.C. Register today at theovernight.org or call 888-THE-OVERNIGHT. That's theovernight.org or 888 888- 843-6837. of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with the 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. And feeling safe to come into like the community because there was no one out and there were no cars and, um, so it was a little bit strange when we started getting back into our cars and, and having to go back to work. Um, we noticed, uh, again, the animals receding and, um, mm. but the skies were bluer and yeah, definitely mm. working from home um, helped a lot. And I, I'm grateful my husband was able to work from home and, and oh, wow. um, yeah, so that's we saw a lot, you know, Nancy and I were on the road and then suddenly COVID happened. We're like, oh, crap. <laughs> OK, now what? And so we pets it. You know, now that's a new thing and it was not new anymore. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we you know, we only went on the road, you know, when our, our cat, you know, passed away and we're like, well, <laughs> we don't need to be home anymore. We don't have children. Yeah, anymore. let's we go. Can just travel. And um, but, you know, it changed. And you know, we, we were on the road and we were sheltered in place at, at our friends for a while, but once we could start traveling again, we did. And, you know, now it, it, you know, everybody go home. The roads were so much easier <laughs> driving. We were like, know, Nancy and I, a bunch of truckers and Amazon deliveries. Uh, that was it. Yeah. Um, but we went to areas where, you know, you have, you know, of course we we're doing more of the scenic routes and the byways and things. And, um, so we really stayed socially distant from everybody and we've done mm -hmm. more. I think we did 500 parks in two years. Like I yeah. mean, this is, and you know, we didn't need all the facilities that people need. You know, we're just, we're chill. We're out, we're out to see the wildlife. And mm -hmm. we went to areas where you'd pull over at a view overlooking, you know, the mountains and everything. And there were so many of these pullover to see the views where the grass had grown over the tarmac or the asphalt mm -hmm. in this country. It had actually grown over and the plants had grown over and the wildlife was, yeah. was out more and things were greener and cleaner in some of the places we knew mm -hmm. aren't usually. Um, and so I really do believe that that 
carbon footprint kind of sucked in a little bit. And mm-hmm. I hope now we're seeing people look at, we can work from home. And honestly, we learned that as a magazine, we had offices before and you actually wasted yeah. more time with people coming in, drinking oh, their coffee gosh. than actually getting to work a lot of times. <laughs> and sometimes they came at two in the morning while we're putting the magazine to bed, thinking we had wine. We did, but we didn't share it. No, <laughs> but uh-uh. there was a, we, we got, we're actually more efficient working out of a home space or a hotel, depending, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if that is going to shift over because I think people are more, uh, you know, when you were saying Adam about the kids, you know, doing this leadership program, doing science projects when it was their own. I remember when I misbehaved, Nancy gave me more responsibility. Yeah. And the misbehaving changed, you know, well, because <laughs> when you have more responsibility, kids, kids misbehave, at least with Lisa, if she got bored. Yeah. Then came the trouble. So as soon as she started to act up, I'm like, oh, here you go. Here's, some Here's a project. Yeah. But the responsibility, and yeah. I think that's for adults, if we're working from home, I think there's a, this added, mm. added responsibility of, I think you do more. And it's yeah, on you your do. timeline, in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, you're comfortable. And there is a productive thing. You're not because sitting in traffic. When you, well, sitting in traffic, going to office and stressing, even in the back of your mind, you might not realize you're stressing of what's going on at home while I'm over here when I really should be over there. So now you're in the same place. You don't have to do the commute, which is great for the environment. Not necessary. With the the event of the internet changed, you don't really need to go to work. Mm -hmm. If you're in the service industry or you're fixing cars, yeah, you do. But for most of us, you just don't need to. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and it also changes your mindset and your emotional stability if, if you don't have to sit in traffic and the commute and all of that. Yeah. It's not just, I mean, the time is really important, right? Having an extra hour, hour and a half in oh. your day, that's a huge blessing. Yeah. And the impact on the environment, not being as bad, but also mm. the, the stress that all that involves, you know, rushing to get ready for work and then having to sit in traffic to get to work. And now mm. it's, you know, throw on a pair of jeans and sit down at your desk again uh, yeah. in your home. Uh, you're just in a better mindset and therefore I think a, a better approach to your day. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I know for me, that's impact, that's had a positive impact on me, not having to sort of do the morning scramble as much. Um, and yeah. you can see and I invest most of that time back in, back in work. You know, I, I, yeah. I do, I'm able to do more work because I feel better. I have more time and yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's been a, a blessing in disguise kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I noticed here in San Diego uh, is that, People were at home, so they started creating, um, uh, working more in their gardens mm-hmm. and um, nice. creating a lot of vegetable gardens. So growing cool. their own food. And in doing that, they're learning how to take better care of the soil. And yeah, yeah because if <laughs> the first batch doesn't come up, well, what's wrong with my soil? So they're mm-hmm. learning, yes, you have to get a good microbiome Mm-hmm. going in the soil right and, and so um our neighbors are are sharing you know they'll have a big crop of something and they'll put it on my front door and then i'll have my uh, my tangerine tree like went crazy this year and it was completely covered oh, i'm in, coming to see you i love yeah, it <laughs> completely covered from top to bottom in tangerines 
and and I just like shared them with the neighbors and and so we're getting excited in in getting back to um, being neighbors, being neighbors, but also being in nature and, mm -hmm. and um, working in in the environment in our homes. Isn't that cool? Because yeah, isn't it? It's cool because I mean, all we built fences and privacy, and then you cut off from the other person. You don't even sometimes you don't even know your neighbors' names. Mm. You know, community so, health, health and wellness again. You know, I know Adam. We've talked before. You you got into gardening, backyard, and having bird watching the birds and all of the natural mm -hmm. things. And is that something for Bethesda Green that you look at too? And you said about going out and weeding in the street. I think that's so important because the pesticides being mm -hmm. pest yeah. sitters, oh. we see more animals. And I know, Margo, we talked about this on the last show mm -hmm. too, but it's something mm -hmm. we feel very strongly because we're there and we we're see seeing it. it. Just about every animal that we know as we travel um, has, mm -hmm. is suffering some kind of allergy. And mm -hmm. we think it's because they're going out on lawns and pesticides, because yeah. this is, I, I've never seen, I mean, it's, we've had animals all our lives, all rescues and this allergy thing. I That's think a human that condition. Stuff. It's, it's human condition that we've given to our pets yeah. through pesticides, insecticides, sprayed mm -hmm. on lawns. I mean, if I, want, could dig, if I could dig up every lawn, I'd probably be out there with a shovel. No, you got to have some nice lawn, even for the pets. Oh, for but, football like fields we, and things like that, but seriously. But most people, like if you think about Bethesda, you want to be able to walk down the street with your dog, right? Um, mm -hmm. And you don't want them to feel like they're being, you know, toxic. Like we did a sit in Tampa and we had to watch the dogs going in this one area because they would go and do stuff in the drainage ditches and two Rottweilers got in because it's water in there and they both had seizures mm -hmm. because of what was in that water from chemicals mm -hmm. that they were spraying in there mm -hmm. and so like what you're talking about with the storm storm runoff and um you know the community being part of what is going on in your backyard you know we always look at that tract of land oh that's city land well it's actually yours you know mm -hmm. it's our tax money going into our communities and mm -hmm. the city really does work for the community right our tax money is in there so it's important that we actually get no. involved you is bethesda green part of that in regards to um getting the community involved with what is happening you know you have these city town hall meetings and half of us don't know what they're talking about you know it's mm -hmm. like you, you know you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. like we don't know they're talking about this who cares about that you know but it is important. Are they spraying pesticides? Are they doing this? So do you see Bethesda Green? Are you doing that now? Or is that something you're looking at doing? Yeah, so we definitely try to be a community connector. And sometimes that's connecting members of the community with each other or connecting them to business or connecting them to what government's doing. And, you know, the interesting thing in listening to you talking about all those scenarios of, of animals and the impact of the environment on them, um, is, is one of the reasons that I think our work is so important in Bethesda is that Bethesda is this growing city. And every time you drive into Bethesda, the neighborhood at large, I mean, there's cranes and new buildings going up and wow. massive construction. And so for us, you know, our, our motto is creating a sustainable urban ecosystem. Like we recognize that this is an urban environment. We recognize that there's gonna be constant growth, that more people are gonna be moving there, setting up businesses there, starting jobs there. So our goal is to figure out how to make that as environmentally responsible as possible. 
And so for us, it's, you know, can we have these little enclaves where we're tree planting or rain garden planting? Can we have more access to composting and recycling? We want to do this in an environment that otherwise would just be paved over and built up. And, and you know, we're not going to stop that. But if we can get rooftop gardens on some of these new buildings, yes. solar panels on some of these new buildings, more access to green space despite mm -hmm. these new buildings, then we're doing our job effectively. So for us, it's always sort of working in that very narrow lane of recognizing that, you know, there are pet lovers and pet owners and wildlife people in Bethesda, people who care about access to green space, but it's this burgeoning metropolis that we have to recognize is going to continue to grow. So for us, it's about connecting those two things together in a measurable way and figuring out how we can be sustainable and urban at the same time. And, you know, that's really our goal. That's the I love future. That I mean, that is the future. If we don't figure it out, yeah. it's going to be pretty grim. Yeah. Well, I love that you're planting trees too. We we did a couple interviews uh, with Jad Daly over at American Forests, and they mm. did the. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it, it's a, a national organization went out and through satellite imagery, we're able to see how many trees are planted across the country mm. and monitor our health as a community. And what they found is that. Um, underserved communities did not have the trees planted. So, and, and even it goes to parks. Here we are documenting parks and public lands. Well, half of the parks that you'll see in these communities don't have tree shade, don't have all the fancy things. Oh, we have this beautiful park, but it's only accessible to those who have the finances to it, you know, mm -hmm. to go there. Mm -hmm. And so we really looking at this, I mean, you can go do your tree equity score right down to your neighborhood your house and see do you have enough trees planted for health and for shade you think about kids with asthma mm -hmm. all of these things um the and it will really solve climate change you know just locally and planting the mm -hmm. right trees not always all it's not i don't know if you found that but it's not always native 100 percent. you have natives mm -hmm. and then there's ones that are kind of the in between naturalized to our country some of the yeah, plants coming back um so mm -hmm. it's it's an interesting thing, but did you see that in Bethesda Green where some areas were underserved with tree plantings mm -hmm. just because of race or economic mm -hmm. uh, situations? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, not necessarily in Bethesda, but Montgomery County, the county in which we operate, has incredible diversity. And there are underserved mm -hmm. and unappreciated communities. And then there are more affluent, well-off communities. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it's a question of how we can have some semblance of uh, environmental equity across the county. And I think, I think there's definitely a move at the county level, uh, the county council, the county executive to focus on equity issues and make sure that what we're doing is uh, equitable, fair, but also equitable in terms of focusing on the counties that are the parts of the county that are underappreciated and underserved so that we can get them the, the environmental help that they need because they're the ones that are gonna be most impacted by climate change, by flooding at the condo complex, that sort of thing. So I think there's definitely a move to focus on those communities. And I know, you know we definitely care about that as well. And, and so you know, we try and take what we do in Bethesda to have a lens that's countywide so that we can try and focus on some of those other communities as well. It's actually more economically feasible to fix those communities rather than to sustain them through the hard times. Mm -hmm. It actually makes economic sense to plant trees. I know that it's got it's tied to property values. And so if this is a low-income neighborhood, you don't get any trees. 
if you put trees in, that neighborhood's going to cost the taxpayer less by putting in trees than if they don't. And that's an economic fact that people can look up, but um, they don't seem, I mean, it's not something talked about very often, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also think about the energy grids, right? And you, the more solar mm -hmm. we have, the better. But we look at energy grids. I know like in South Africa, they have this, you know, load shedding or shedding, whatever, like your inner, your, you know, electricity is going to mm -hmm. go off for a few hours. And yeah. California, I remember that happening, Margo. I don't know if it's still mm -hmm. happening. Like here, you're going to have the rolling blackouts, you know. Yes. Um, the more okay. solar we have, the better. But the more trees we have, the less air conditioning you're going to have to use. You yes. Know? Mm -hmm. And the less water you're going to have to use on your plants mm -hmm. and your, your gardens and everything. So it's kind of, it's, it's, there's so many levels to what you're doing, Adam. It's like yeah. <laughs> you're, uh, one neighborhood at a time, right? It's like, if we could fix one street, we can fix 10, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and we build on the work that we do. Um, you know, I, I want to come back, if you don't mind quickly to, sure. to something you said earlier, you were giving some of the statistics of how many businesses we've incubated and how many tens of thousands of pounds of recycling we've had collected. And, you know, one of the things about those recycling bins and that number of, of uh, recyclable tons of material that we've collected is, um, so first it was like, well, there's no street level recycling. We need to try and raise some money to get some, some bins, some recycling bins put next to the trash cans. Well, we did that and our partners at Bethesda Urban Partnership collect those cans now, but the new cans that we have, have a sensor that's uh, remote technology in the top of the bin so that the guys at Bethesda Urban Partnership can monitor every bin that they've wow. placed to know when it's full and needs to be collected, which wow. means not only are we helping the environment by collecting recyclable waste and not having it go into a landfill, but they're not spending the time, energy, gas, all of that going to all of those bins if they're not full and don't need to be collected. So they can wow. wait until it's time, which is good for the environment. And then the last piece awesome. that we're doing right now is we're actually creating street level recycling signs to educate people in the community about why those bins are there, what you can and can't recycle. So That's don't put paper cups in there, that sort of thing. Um, and, and trying to encourage people to think about the importance of recycling and being environmental stewards and all the rest. So, you know, we're continually building on the work that we do to, you know, use better technology or reach more people or just do more of the work. And, and that's a particularly exciting thing, I think, for me, seeing how we can evolve in the work that we're doing. Yeah, that's just make awesome. it even more impactful. You know, yeah. as we travel, we're seeing communities that don't recycle. Mm -hmm. um, the recycling is different everywhere we go according mm -hmm. to even county or community mm -hmm. um some you yep. don't even put your your um they don't even have bins you just put your yeah. black bag out and you hope an animal doesn't get in some yep. communities are still burning their trash and nancy and i yeah, had to do it. we're like oh my yeah, gosh. Oh, gosh but you can take your recycling to a plant <laughs> which is great mm -hmm. however people are burning trash to this day plastic mm -hmm. everything and yeah. um it's crazy you know, that's something i i i I mean, I thought we were back in Africa, man. We used to have a pit back in the day. I mean, back in the 70s, right? That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. It's like, so I, I did not know our country was this far behind mm -hmm. in trash that we didn't have a way for communities to actually dispose of their trash in a nice way. Proper. And right. then there's the trash that we see where the trash truck comes through, takes half of the trash and leaves the rest on the side of the street. 
there's communities, there's entire states that I could write a book just on how bad it is, yeah. the situation of trash and litter. And then mm -hmm. we have regular litter bugs and people who still think it's okay to you know throw a cigarette butt out. And so doing the recycling is this huge thing, not just recycling, but it's actually pointing a lens at how do we get rid of our stuff? How are we doing it? You know, the fact mm -hmm. that you're raising the bar on recycling lets us even look at the fact of what are we putting in the trash? Could we be composting? Could we be doing that in our backyard? Mm -hmm. Could we be doing that in a condominium complex? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. that gets kids involved. So I think that you've raised the bar, but at the same time, by raising the bar, you're shining a light on places that even right now do not have trash pickup. And that's like we go, we, when we go through as we're traveling into certain states, it's always such a shock. Like you'll go from where things are neat and tidy and there's not litter. And then you'll go into certain states where it's just nobody cares. And it's yeah. so evident that it it is like, I just want to call the politicians like and face. say, what are you doing? Anything? Yeah. Well, yeah. And it goes into the natural areas too. You know, it goes into forests and, and, and places like that. On the freeways, it's like, I mean, there's furniture and also it, it is crazy in some yeah. states. Yeah. Well, I think for me, there's there's two things. One is is um, building habits, and then the mm -hmm. second thing is accessibility, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, you think about the habits that we have, right? If you, if your habit mm -hmm. is you throw your trash out, yeah, then that's what you're going to do. But there are some places in the world, I mean, in Japan and elsewhere, and probably some communities in the states, where you know there's a long line of receptacles. And if you're in a cafeteria or something, you have the place to put your paper, a place to put your plastic, place to put your bottles, place to put your food. And all the yeah. way down at the end, it's the landfill bit, right? And so you just have to teach people, get people used to the habit of doing that. And then it becomes like second nature. But then the second part is making it accessible, making it easy for people. So, yeah. you know, Lisa, you're talking about composting. One of our companies in the Bethesda Green Innovation Lab is called Loop Closing. And it's a composting company that does on-site composting bins. So for us at home, right, we put our compost in a bin. Veterans Compost comes, collects it every Tuesday, gives us a new bin. And then a few times a year, they give us some nice bag compost that we can use in our garden. Well, this awesome. model, this model awesome. is on-site composting. So you have this big bin where you'll have your trash dumpster, your recycling bin, and your composter say outside your restaurant or your apartment building, and people can put their food waste in the composter and then take care of it, nurture it, put leaves in it and green matter and brown matter and stuff. And then the loop closing guys will come, they'll haul the compost away, bring fresh food from the farms. The farms are using wow. the compost. You're getting cool. the fresh fruits and vegetables no at your restaurant. Way. That's it's all awesome. this closed loop, right? Wow. Where you know it's all happening at once. Cool. But it's because you can make it easy for them. If you make it easy and say, look, we'll put the dump the composter yeah. out there by your dumpster. You just need to let us teach your restaurant workers how to put the food in there, when to add the leaves and brown matter and such. And that's oh, all you cool. have to do. And your hauling costs come down you're not going to have so much waste going to the landfill right you know, it's a win-win for everybody so that's, that's why cool. the companies that we're working with are, are potentially cutting edge and really impactful that's a, that's exciting that's exciting and, and that's so awesome people are scared of composting yeah. they think ew stinky but listen it. it's 
it's cool. I've done compost. We did. We we sat yeah. for uh, done that many, since Africa. Many farms. We've done a few mini farms and one had chickens, and there were separate composting things for mm -hmm. chicken, for eggs. For I know you don't eat eggs, Adam, <laughs> but there were things. But it was yeah. all the land, and we did different things according to the vegetables. And this, mm -hmm. I mean. But this it was it was so cool to learn all these different mm -hmm. systems because you learned about the beneficial properties of this matter and that you know it was just really really cool and for kids i think it's cool and if you see worms dude that is so cool yeah. <laughs> i'm into vermiculture i think it's cool but before we go adam margo i know you're jumping into a vegetarian diet as much as possible right adam yeah. Yeah. is you know Mr. Vegan King over here. And he's been <laughs> on vegan radio shows with us, vegetarian radio shows. So Adam, any good tips, anything that you, you're making lately, like a good recipe or come on. Let's oh, oh my God, that's too big for the end of the, <laughs> the show. Um, but, 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 you know, it's, it's very interesting to our previous conversation. Um, you know, I've, I've been vegetarian since 1987 and vegan since 93. So it's, it's a while now. Um, but what I found because of the pandemic and because I'm not commuting and traveling as much is I've had more time to cook. And so my cookbook collection and my time on websites and apps looking at. So um, I've been making my own steaks, wheat, gluten, seitan steaks. Oh, and wow. it's just yeah, it's just gluten flour and, you know, water and chicken stock, but not real chicken. And you know what I mean? Um, and so it's really fun because it's so versatile. You can make steaks, you can grill them, you can have them chopped up in tacos or whatever. So it's kind of the thing that I've been experimenting with lately, but I've been doing so much cooking wow. lately, which, which, you know, what I was saying before about the emotional high of, of doing these things other than sitting in traffic you know, that's part of it, just being able to have the time to cook and make food. So, um, Margo, you're going vegetarian at a much better time than I did, because when I went vegetarian, it was all bland tofu and broccoli, beans tofu. and rice, and pasta. And now every restaurant has vegan items and fast food places have vegan mm -hmm. items. I mean, Kentucky Fried Chicken has Beyond Meat vegan chicken nuggets now. So uh, you're hitting it at the right time, and it's great fun. And easy. We're, it's so easy. We're grateful to Beyond Meat because even now my husband will, will um, you, we, I can make a hamburger and it really tastes like a hamburger and it yeah. feels like a hamburger. And, and uh, yeah, so thank you, Beyond Meat. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? You see, now this is how we have vegetarian meals. I make flatbread pizza. And mm. now Chef Ivan has been on our show. Now, my best friend is a vegetarian meal thing is garlic. And you saute, you get whatever kind of mushrooms you can. And like, we don't need to stick to the white button mushrooms. There's all kinds of mushrooms, you know, even mm. portobellos and go off and oysters and all kinds of things. It's the only oyster you're going to see us eat is oyster mushrooms. There's no way mm. we're eating that. No. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I know a lot of people like it. We're allergic to it. So that's probably a good thing. But you, you saute your mushrooms, onions, and garlic. So mm -hmm. it caramelizes and it's really mm -hmm. good. And then you put it on flatbread, like non bread, and so you just good. put it in there. And you, if you want cheese, and you can do your vegan cheese. Or mm -hmm. like if you're like me when I was vegan, everything was lemon pepper. <laughs> and you put it in there and it tastes really, really good. And it's simple and easy to make. And it's better than the regular 
pizza stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to knock anybody, but it's really good mm. and easy to make. So that is my top vegan or vegetarian creation. Cook with Thank garlic. You. Everything's good with garlic. Absolutely. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Adam. It's been a pleasure seeing you and having you yeah. back on the show. And yeah, awesome work. Kudos thank to you, you and, and the Bethesda Green team and everybody that's partnered with you, all the different organizations and in the government side too. We got we to gotta give a shout out when the governments are doing the right yeah. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So um, a shout out for that. And so everyone, BethesdaGreen.org. And I encourage everyone to also keep up with Margo. Go to her website, CarreraFineArtGallery.com or type in Margo Carrera. Uh, have a look at her beautiful photography and also all kinds mm-hmm. of beautiful gifts. and. Um, we can never stop giving gifts, right? And it delivered to your door, right, Margo? So yes. That's it. Because that's it. the same day. That's it. And uh, everybody, uh, every fourth Friday, we have our segments, our Nature Connection show with Margo. And again, like what we're talking about with Adam, it's about the environment, but what can we do? It's always about, as Adam knows, right? We always, we you'd come on our show, we'd rant and rave, right? About things, but mm-hmm. we always had to have the positive action item. Exactly. Because you can get upset about something, but the best thing to do is to take action. So uh, that's the way to do mm-hmm. it. So thank you all. Keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. Take care. Thanks. Thank you.